thrillers, chillers, and chicks. Welcome back to Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks. I'm your host, Hannah. And I'm your other host, Erica. And we are joined today by a very special guest, my sibling and joy of my heart, Claire. Hi, I'm Claire. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Claire, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Why do you like scary movies? Um, well, see, I want to like scary movies because I'm obsessed with cryptids and creepy things, but I am also a coward who saw a YouTube video of a guy wearing a slightly scary mask and could not sleep that night. So I like psychological thrillers, <laughs> and I'm working my way up to actual monster movies. I'm going to go see Antlers which, with a few friends of mine when it comes out, so we'll see how well that goes. Uh yeah, I just like weird stuff, I guess. So for those of you who may not know, Claire is a cryptid aficionado. So Claire, tell us who your favorite cryptid is. My favorite cryptid is either Mothman or the uh, Loveland Frogman or the Flatwoods Monster, although I am also just a sucker for some good aliens. I did see a TikTok about one cryptid that I've been meaning to look up but I haven't had the chance to. His name is Silly Bones. Ooh. I don't Silly know Bones. anything about him except for like a three second clip or something. He's like, don't laugh at his name. Some people think he by Silly Bones. And then I died laughing and haven't been able to get up yet. But I'm going to look into that. Not Silly Bones. <laughs> Erica. I'm trying not to laugh so I don't get murdered. <laughs> I, I made a face. Does that count? No. <laughs> okay. I think he's on like, but we're probably good to get us warmed up today i have an important question for the the both of you erica and claire oh no we're gonna play kiss mary kill oh no bigfoot mothman and randy jackson (laughs) randy jackson (laughs) let me google that (laughs) like (laughs) i don't know I just had to make sure it was who I thought it was. Okay, Randy Jackson. Old school American Idol, Randy Jackson. Yes. But it's a no for me, dog, Randy Jackson. I do not know who this man is. (laughs) Sorry to this man. He's the one who says, it's a no for me, dog. There's an iCarly episode where the teacher had a shrine of him in her closet. (laughs) See, I know all these things, but I don't know if I would want to kill him. (laughs) It's the thing, like you say, like kiss, marry, kill. Okay, I don't know what he deserves. I'll be nice. What was that? I'll change it from Randy Jackson. I'll be be nice to you. (laughs) Orlando Bloom instead. Oh, okay. Um, that's hard. That got really hard. I'll kill anybody. I know, right? All right. Well, you guys are already nicer than the protagonists of the film we're discussing today. Okay. Uh, kiss Orlando Bloom, Mary Mothman, kill Bigfoot because 
if Bigfoot is real, then there's like a species of Sasquatch. So it's not like we'd be like ex driving them to extinction. There's only one Mothman, but there are several Sasquatches. Plus, how do you know there was only one Mothman? How did Mothman come to exist if there's only one? Uh, there's a theory that he's a demon from an alternate dimension. I don't believe that. I think he's just special. I think he's just he's just a special boy. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you said that because I said the exact same thing. And my main reason is because I feel like uh, as much as I love Bigfoot a lot, um, I feel like Bigfoot smells awful. Um, probably because I read a book where <laughs> Bigfoot like kidnaps a lady. <laughs> and she's like, he smells awful. But <laughs> that's I amazing. Feel like, I feel like Bigfoot would be like the friend when you're like talking about like politics or something, you'd be like, look, not to play devil's advocate, but he's, he's <laughs> a devil's advocate. Kind of <laughs> yeah, I think Bigfoot's a Republican. I told you this. I think Mothman's like, have, like Bigfoot's a Republican. That's just the vibes I get from them. I mean, it's there. So, <laughs> so Bigfoot uh, confirmed is definitely the guy who thinks it's gay to wash his ass. All right. Yes. Got it. <laughs> hundred percent yeah you know i can't argue with that those are the vibes the vibes well your initial hesitance kill even someone who thinks it's gay to wash his ass like i said <laughs> makes you all a lot nicer than the protagonist of the 2019 film <laughs> parasite directed by bong joon ho this is a korean film that has received a lot of critical acclaim ever since it came out it follows the story of a uh, family in poverty in Korea, struggling to make their way in the world and their relationship with a wealthy family and how they slowly implicate themselves into this family's life and shenanigans and horrifying things ensue. So Erica and I had this movie on our list and uh, I mean, how could we not? It, people have been talking about it nonstop since it came out, as they should. It was amazing, amazingly well done. Um, and Claire contacted us and said, hey, I watched Parasite with my friend and I need y'all to talk about it on the podcast because I want to have a discussion about the symbolism. So we just roped Claire into joining us anyway. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> I will say of the movie just right off the bat, this is the first Oscar winning, Oscar winning movie I've ever seen that I think actually deserves an Oscar. I can't remember which movies I've seen have won Oscars, but yes, this movie most certainly deserved every award it got, if not more. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think this might be the first Oscar winning movie we've talked about on the podcast so far. Is it really? I want to say yes. Well, I think... Well, did Hereditary? No. Maybe. We're checking our sources. <laughs> Stand by, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe not. I don't know. Encrypted. Ah, here we go. Oscar winning movies. And you're actually a liberal. I'm very sorry for saying you don't wash your ass. I don't know your habits. Oh, you're right. Hereditary did win one. Okay. So like our second, so far. But either, definitely the first foreign film we've discussed on the podcast. Waiting for verbal agreement. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You nodding your head. They can't see you nodding. Oh, 
Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Anywho. So basically the main characters of this movie are the poor, we're going to refer to them as the poor family and the rich family. Just to keep everything clear because there's a lot of people running around in this movie and we have a hard time with names. Mm-hmm. So in the poor family, we have a mother, a father, um, a adult son, and an adult daughter. They're like in their early 20s, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then in the rich family, we again have a mother and a father and a teenage girl who's like maybe a sophomore in high school, I would say, like 15 yeah. And then a little boy who's about seven. Mm-hmm. Um, their exact age escapes me. I apologize. They do actually celebrate his birthday in the movie. I forgot how old he was. Oh, um, so seven sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven sounds about right. So this movie does a lot to kind of explore the relationship between classes And it's really interesting to me because typically when I watch a movie like this, and I think typically when a movie like this is written or a story like this is told, you're kind of set up to root for whoever is at the financial disadvantage, like the poorer family. Mm -hmm, Like the underdog. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because they're, yes, yeah. Because they're like the underdog. But in this movie, you don't really root for them. You might at first, but like the more and more it goes on, you, you're like, you're making it hard for me, home slice. You're really making it hard for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was interesting because I think in Hannah's words, you, you said, what, like I'm the most eat the rich bitch you've ever met. I couldn't find a reason to dislike the rich family. Aside from them being like rude and kind of out of touch, which like all rich people are, they weren't like mean. They were just kind of no. joking. They were decent people, and honestly, a lot of the things that they did, like, um, they fired their housekeeper who'd worked for them, like, who'd worked at that house since before they owned it, which would have been a kind of slimy move if the poor father hadn't manipulated the mother, the rich mother, into believing that she, the housekeeper, was sick and intentionally not telling them, thus putting their young son at risk, and if that's what she believes to be true, like I too probably would have fired someone under those conditions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's really no reason initially that you see to hate on the rich family. They're just, they just happen to be wealthy. Um, I'm sorry. I've been talking a lot. I, I want, no, 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 keep going. You're good. I just, I have a lot of notes on this. But I want to hear um, kind of, you know, what y'all's um, first impressions kind of were of both families as we see the son kind of working his way into getting a tutoring job and then lying and bringing on his sister and then their deceptions grow as they get more and more people in the house fired to secure job placements for the poor mother and the poor father in the rich house yeah it was interesting because like at first they weren't getting anybody fired like um the poor son his friend asked him to step in to tutor this girl and he said to him he's like hey I like this girl I want to ask her out when she reaches college which is creepy because he's like 20 and the girl's 15 but we're not going to talk about that he's like I'm trusting you to not flirt with her and then the brother's like okay and then goes in and immediately starts flirting with her and then 
the sister they hired as like a therapist for their son, like a quote unquote therapist, she completely tricked them into that, but they didn't fire anybody to get to where it wasn't until the sister didn't even really plan with the family beforehand to get the driver fired. So they would hire the poor father as a driver. Like They did sort of plan it, like, because she left her underwear in the car. Mm-hmm. I think for the moment thing though because in the next scene you see her talking and she said hey dad you were a driver right because I left a trap in the drivers I left a trap in the car to fire the driver you know how to drive right so we can get you in there it's like I mean yeah I I suppose that's true that one wasn't planned out as say like the housekeeper one they planned out the details oh yeah what about you I think I think it's interesting because at the beginning I I had to, at first of all, it kind of already dispelled my thoughts because initially you already kind of want to make the rich family the bad guy, mm-hmm. especially because you do get to see the mother kind of be out of touch <clears throat> um, and kind of the whole family be out of touch. But to me, that's very, fairly quickly dispelled where you're like, well, yeah, but they're not really doing anything wrong or yeah. evil or whatever. Um and then as it goes on, uh, you can definitely see the faults on both sides, especially because this movie does a really, really good job of making you kind of stop rooting for <laughs> the poor family as things get shadier and shadier. And it's really interesting how they manage to make them I guess kind of eventually unlikable. But of course, it almost brings it also kind of makes you take a step back because you have to kind of consider like for a family at such a disadvantage and for a family that's so stuck, I guess, where does, where did the, where does the moral, where does the morality kind of lie? And I guess how far does that morality um, consideration go, if that makes sense? No, it definitely does because, you know, yeah, sure, they got, and, you know, in this movie, it's made very clear to us that a lot of people won't hire them because of their standing in the, in society. Mm-hmm. And I mean, things they can't control. Exactly. And I mean, that's true of Korean culture. It's also true of American culture. If you don't have a college degree and you don't come from money, you know, it's going to be hard for you to get a good job anywhere that you would even have a hope of supporting yourself or let alone your family. And like, we kind of see them in the beginning working for a pizza parlor, folding boxes. And, you know, those are the kind of like time consuming, tedious, low paying tasks that are available to them. So part of you kind of steps back and says, okay, they got this younger chauffeur fired. Clearly he's well off enough that, or well off enough in his societal standing that he was able to get this good job. It's quite likely he'll be able to get another good one. He's young, he's single, he doesn't have a family. Their father needs that job more, like Mm -hmm. just the fact. So you're like, oh, it was kind of scummy, but they're fighting for their survival here. I kind of understand it. The housekeeper, that one didn't sit right with me at all. Especially the more you learn about the housekeeper, you're like, oh my goodness. Exactly. 
Like she cared about those children like they were her own. She was really invested in that family. She was, you know, she was invested in the house like she had been left over and not not only that she's an older lady it's harder for older people to find jobs like that especially if they've been in the same position for so long like she had Mm -hmm. so getting rid of her was really scummy the other thing with the chauffeur was he did kind of make some inappropriate advances towards the sister not terrible but he did kind of like try to drop her off at home which you know the rich mom really freaked out when she heard that she was like that is so rude such an invasion of your privacy I'm so sorry blah blah blah. definitely not a fireable offense in my opinion but like he at least did something that you know could maybe kind of raise your eyebrows the housekeeper didn't do anything she mm-hmm. was living her life and like even nice to the other you know to the people working there and trying to like hey this is how it is and he's a rascal and blah 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 blah. and not only that they tried to because she was like deathly allergic to peaches and they would like blow peach fuzz on her to get her to to react so they could be like oh look she has tuberculosis and we didn't tell you you could have killed her Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they didn't really care about her well-being at that point they were just so wrapped up in the scheme I think and just getting their entire family in that house I'm yeah. like that'd be pretty bad because like the family was really close to the housekeeper too like uh in the one of the beginning scenes when they're trying to get the the poor sister hired she's talking to the rich mom and the housekeeper comes in to listen and she's like no leave us and mom's like oh no it's okay she can stay and she's like no 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 this is like she the mom obviously held her in high regard too like absolutely and I think that kind of their attitude towards getting her and the housekeeper out of the house so that the poor mother and the poor father could move in to take their positions, their attitude and their intentions towards that process kind of shows us that it wasn't really even about them being like, well, I guess we have no other choice. We're desperate here. It was sort of just like they saw this really great opportunity. And in their minds, these people have more money than they know what to do with. Why not take it for ourselves? if it's you know these jobs are there for the plucking you know they're they're very like they're like we deserve it we deserve these jobs because we're struggling like exactly and that's and it's interesting because they seem to really resent the rich family for having what they have but in my view the really entitled people in this movie are the poorer family Mm -hmm. especially because like as we learn later, there's not even a sense of unity in being in the same situation for them. Because mm-hmm. um, hopefully I'm not jumping too far ahead. No. But, um, you know, eventually we learn that, like, the housekeeper lady is um, is also not very well off at all. Like, that job was all she had. So all she had that, like, she's keeping her husband in the basement. <laughs> and yeah. and. Mm -hmm. and even when she explains this to the family and she's like listen I'm desperate there's nowhere for us to go the family still like hangs it over her head and all they really had to do was keep quiet and drop some food off every you know like she wasn't even trying to patronize them until way after where they're they try to hang it over her head and then she finally gets the upper hand it's interesting because I I have it written down in my notes here that like I think each member of the poor family really wanted something different that they felt like wealth could give them mm-hmm. and that they felt like this 
rich family had. For the mother, it was the practicality of your needs being provided for, of having food, of having Mm -hmm. a roof over your head. And for the father, it was status because people have always immediately dismissed him because he smells like mold because he lives in a basement or, you know, he's poor and this is the, you know, he folds pizza boxes. And then the son, I think he was after the pleasures the rich life could provide him. He got fresh fruit every day. He had this cute girl to flirt with and, you know, they'd hang out in her sweet bedroom. And when the the rich family leaves for the weekend and the poorer family is there kind of, you know, house sitting or whatever, um, he is laying out in the backyard in the sun, just reading a book. Um, he's probably never had a backyard before to just kind of bask in. And then the daughter, I think she wants the respect and the ability to use her brain and her intelligence that she hasn't had the opportunity to use because she can't afford to go to college. And she wants that respect. And her brother Mm -hmm. mentions over the same weekend that she looks comfortable in the house and she feels like she deserves to live in this kind of environment because she knows her brain could get it for her if she were just given a chance to get her foot in the door Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's a really important scene too to really like I think that's the big scene that really shows like the intentions of the family if you were trying to defend them before that point that scene when the rich family leaves for the weekend because they left the mom there because she's Mm -hmm. the housekeeper and they're like just take care of the dogs and we'll be back in a couple days and then the rest of the poor family snuck in and essentially kind of ransacked the place. Like they were like, mm-hmm. like the dog was like taking a bath. Like they broke into all the alcohol. They were eating their food and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they were excited because they never had a house like this before, but they kept on talking about the house. Like it was going to be theirs one day mm-hmm. as well, because the son was like, well, I'm flirting with their daughter. And if I, if I marry her, this is going to be my house someday. So this is fine. This is just me messing around in my future house like it was they definitely felt like they deserved it I think more than the rich family like they felt like they had earned it they, they didn't even know very much about how the rich family got their money but they felt like they were the ones who should have that house mm-hmm. well it kind of goes I guess my question is you know wealth is always going to exist and what it looks like is going to look different for every generation and every culture But, you know, so it kind of raises this question of like, who deserves wealth? And does anyone deserve wealth? And under what circumstances should you be allowed to like be wealthy? Because this poor Mm -hmm. family is definitely like, oh, you know, we could have this house if this and if that. And like, we deserve to be just as comfortable and happy and well off as this family, even though the rich family wasn't necessarily a happy family. They were definitely wealthy, but they had their issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus it seems like them being wealthy wasn't going to change. It seems like all it was going to be would be just a power shift where things would be the same and they'd be just as, if not maybe more deluded or rude or out of touch than the family already there. So it wasn't like things were going to change or they were going to do something different. Like it, it was really just kind of a power shift. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's interesting. 
but you know in looking at the rich family like I don't want to say that they were completely like blameless in all of these situations oh, absolutely not especially like, when we get to the end yeah. yeah because you know definitely they're not vilified but they're not saints either mm-hmm. um you know they cared a lot about breeding they cared a lot about status they had all these jobs that needed doing that clearly could be accomplished by people who didn't have college degrees who didn't come from super wealthy standings because it was this poor family who lived in a half basement doing it all for them and doing it very well like they were so impressed by the the job that the poor family was doing as a chauffeur housekeeper tutor whatever um so they kind of cared about all these superficial things just because they were you know of this higher social standing uh and then oh sorry I can't read my own handwriting here (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I have written down here that the the poor son, I mean, he had good test scores, his friend mentioned to him, and the girl could have shown them like portfolios of artwork she'd done mm-hmm. um, to show that they were qualified. But for whatever reason, you know, they knew um, that they would need more, just like the father's perfectly capable of driving a car. The mother's perfectly capable of cleaning, but they have to dress everything up with fake degrees and fake chauffeurs. Yeah. They need to make it look like they're getting they're getting something distinguished and something that's going to add to their status. Mm-hmm. Right. So another thing that kind of stood out to me um one of the things that they kind of make a note of later on in the movie when they when they had been house sitting and then the rich family comes back a little sooner than expected the family is like hiding the poor family is like hiding under their huge coffee table mm-hmm. and the the rich mother and father are sleeping on the couch because they wanted to watch their son in the backyard he insisted on sleeping in a tent which like king um <laughs> but <laughs> The, the rich father, you know, he says to his wife, he's like, oh, do you smell that? He's like, it kind of smells like our chauffeur. Have you ever noticed he kind of has this weird smell? And his wife was like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, yeah, he kind of smells like uh, like a damp towel, like when you leave it out, um, you know, because they live in this really like damp, real dewy basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in my eyes, he wasn't necessarily saying it in like a malicious way. He was just kind of like asking like, oh, have you ever noticed he kind of smells different? And, but um, from underneath the table, you can tell it's really affecting the the poor father. He mm-hmm. is very hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and it's kind of brought back again later mm-hmm. in the like ultimate, you know, ultimate climax of the movie. Yeah. when you know they're all in the backyard at the party and um the housekeeper's husband who's also been living in a basement for a long ass time now <laughs> comes out and tries to stab the um who does he try to stab again he tries to stab the poor mom because uh she was the one who kicked the house okay that's right that's <laughs> okay so um when the um poor family discovers the housekeeper's husband in the basement. It's like this, this like deep compartment of the basement 
which um, I've noticed the movie does like very literally signify class, like to get to the family's house, you have to go up this hill and up some stairs, get to the nice house. And then when they're mm-hmm. running away from that in the rain, you see them, they're constantly going down like 50 sets of stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, it kind of shows that the housekeeper's husband is even lower than the poor family is because they're in like a half basement. He's all the way down. So they find that the housekeeper has been keeping him there. There's this whole fight and the housekeeper ends up dying after the poor mom kicks her down the stairs because the rich mom is coming in. They don't want her to see her. So she gets a concussion and dies. And then the uh, her husband, the next day while they're having a kind of impromptu birthday party for That's the right. rich son, he comes out and tries to kill her. That's right. So he comes out and tries to kill the poor mother. And what happens is the poor daughter winds up getting stabbed in the neck. And then out of horror, the rich son, who's about seven or eight at this point, has a seizure. Mm -hmm. At this point, both the rich father and the poor father have a child whose life hangs in the balance here. And they both kind of run to their children. And the rich mother yells to her husband. She goes, get the car keys. We need to take him to the hospital he's only got you know so many minutes before this seizure kills him which is also questionable because she like earlier she like thinks it's a seizure it looks like he just passes out or faints that she has this idea in her head that it's a seizure and he only has so many minutes before he dies but basically with the the thing here is the sense of urgency um like his child is dying just like the the poor father's daughter is like bleeding out in his arms and so they, car keys are under the man from the basement. And so what really stuck out to me was this moment where he, the rich father goes to get the car keys. He has to roll the, the guy from the basement over. The poor father takes a moment to look away from his dying daughter to watch the, the rich father's reaction to this man from the basement because to him, that is the most important thing happening right now. And this man, this rich man whose son is dying, and I would be shoving that man with both hands, grabbing the car keys and running. He takes his time to hold his nose because the smell is apparently so bad and kind of make this look of disgust. And that sends the poor father into a rage and he stabs the rich father to death. Mm -hmm. What gets me is that in this moment, in order to observe or like reinforce status, both of these men take their attention and energy away from their dying children mm-hmm. <laughs> to like, why? <laughs> I mean, um, also in that scene after the daughter was stabbed, which in my mind is a much more serious thing than a child passing out. After mm-hmm. she was stabbed and bleeding on the floor, a couple people run over her body without looking at her before her father gets to her. Oh, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing is I actually think that's interesting that that's kind of what you focused on or saw in that scene. Cause mm-hmm. I kind of had a different, I guess, viewing when I saw it. And for me, I think I didn't, although I do think that's very valid and important and something that I didn't quite notice mm-hmm. so much as like that, you know, the attention away from their two supposedly one more literally than the other, I guess, dying children as I kind of took it, because throughout the film, um, even though, excuse me, 
even though the like the former housekeeper's husband is in the basement and like kind of lower and non-existent to this family, he has an enormous amount of respect for the family and especially the rich father. And mm -hmm. before he like falls on the keys, he's actually stabbed by the mother in retaliation for stabbing the poor sister. The poor mother stabs him for the poor sister. Mm -hmm. And even as he is like dying, he's lost his wife to this whole shenanigans. Um, and the father is looking at him strangely because he's like, I have no idea who this dude is, which okay. kind of makes sense. Um, he looks at the rich father and he goes, respect. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, he's like gushed about him this whole time, even in Morse code, because we learn that he kind of communicates through the lights in the house because there's a switch mm -hmm. where he is. Even in Morse code, every day he wakes up in the morning and uh, does this Morse code uh for how great the father is and how thankful he is even though he's living in the basement and the father not only has no idea he even exists but even probably wouldn't really care about him if he did mm -hmm. so you know he's dying he goes respect he dies and then the poor father who has heard him gush about this man despite mm -hmm. his lack of care or knowledge of who he is sees him push him over look at him in disgust and kind of not even pay any attention to him as he grabs the keys. I took that as what set him off in terms of like, like, I don't even respect you that much, uh, you know, but I, I still handed you the keys over my daughter and blah, 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 and all this stuff. But here's this guy who respects you enormously, even in, with his last dying breath is saying how much he respects you and you push him over in disgust and push him over the way, even though he's given his life at this point as well, along with his wife's life, yeah. for you to take these keys and look at him like that. Yeah, I know. I think the, the smell thing, I'm kind of going back. Did you have something to say? I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think it's really interesting. I definitely didn't see it that way, but I think it's you can totally interpret it mm -hmm. either way. I guess just for me, I guess for me, you know, depending on whether you interpret it the way you saw it or the way I see it kind of lies in, does the poor father see himself in the man uh, from the basement? Because that was kind of how I saw it. Or does he see him as, like you were saying, this person who is different than him and respects this man more than he ever has or ever will. And then he's just kind of like, are you kidding me? This man has given everything to you. And with his dying breath, he chose to honor you. And you're going to like, you know, hold your nose at him, turn your nose up at him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was interesting because he, the, the poor father definitely did have like a sort of prejudice against the, the housekeeper's husband. And he ends up in the same situation as him after stabbing the rich father. He goes and hides in the same compartment in the basement where he was. Um, yeah, I think the, the whole thing with the smell is interesting because like one of the very first things you see in the movie is the dad complaining about stink bugs in the basement. And um, even after they get like the mom in there as a housekeeper, the rich son is like running around and he's like, the, the housekeeper and the driver, they have the same smell. They smell the same. Nobody believes and they just kind of brush them off because he's six. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's definitely a, a big thing. And like even when they're on the couch and the rich dad's like, oh, our chauffeur kind of smells funny. He does tie that back to wealth because he says to his wife, people who ride the subway have a special kind of smell. He said he 
smells like he rides a subway mm-hmm. or something like that which is obviously he's too good to ride the subway apparently yeah and so, then his wife goes well i haven't ridden the subway in years yeah okay good for you um, <laughs> but it's interesting erica you know you you talking about the man living in the basement and the way he kind of respects that man and like you know uh, communicates with him through the lights and all this stuff even though he doesn't even know the rich father doesn't even know this man exists living in his basement um that that just now made me think of like you know how that's more than likely um kind of referring to this capitalist society where you are working your whole life to benefit people who will never know your name who will never care about you and you're like oh I'm so grateful to this person way up above me for giving me a job and you know providing for me even though you're literally living off of their table scraps mm-hmm. couldn't care less about you. yeah and that's and like that's exactly what I was thinking and kind of how I took the whole movie personally mm-hmm. Or because I felt like it was definitely a like a big stack of power dynamics. So you have this family at the top, of course, and then you have this poor family who who's trying to get to the top and is kind of has an understanding or understanding enough to where they can kind of put aside morals and be like, well, we're just going to do what we have to do to survive. And, mm-hmm. you know, this family doesn't care about us. So why should we really care about them and all that stuff? And then you have this other poor family or I guess poor husband and wife who have this respect for the family and this care for the family, even though I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's reciprocated or at least at the very least not equally reciprocated. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of different ways of, of seeing that power dynamic, um, even though it even though to, at its core, it's kind of the same situation. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of that's very yes (laughs) I agree with you 100% completely and you know it just kind of goes back like I think they really try to set it up for you to be like oh well the poor family is the parasite you know they're leeching off of the rich family's like wealth and resources and all this stuff but you know then you kind of start to realize like oh maybe it's the rich family leeching off of their time and energy and livelihood just so they can survive <laughs> yeah 100 especially the last scene where they're like putting together the birthday party it's a sunday they clarify it's a sunday it's supposed to be their day off and after this terrible storm their house has just gotten flooded their all their stuff is completely gone they spent the night in the gym the poor family mm-hmm. did and then the rich family calls them in they're like oh we'll pay you overtime you need to come to this birthday party and stuff and they're running around trying to do stuff like the mom is trying to set up tables in the backyard and the dad's like you have to be quiet he's sleeping while she's clearly struggling to carry a bunch of tables to the back and then the poor dad is clearly like exhausted following the rich mom around driving her everywhere and also in that scene there's a reference to um the mom judging his smell because she like clearly smells something bad enough at the window which pisses him off mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they never even stopped to consider, like, they keep on talking about the rain as, like, a blessing. They're like, oh, wash all that heat away while well, it completely destroyed everything that the poor family had. And they never even, they didn't even think of it. Or ask. And not yeah. to mention, like, <laughs> even when they're like, hey, I don't really know if I can come to this party. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for some personal stuff you know they're trying to be like well I, I don't know if I can really come in today they kind of like they kind of end up having a roundabout way of threatening them they're like well I don't see why you can't come I mean we're gonna pay you mm-hmm. you know <laughs> even though it's supposed to be this social event and they initially frame it as like oh you should come to our birthday party because we like you or whatever and even then they arrive and they just have them do more things to help with the party versus having them as guests exactly because they'll never view them as equals and then it's also kind of this idea of like well if we're offering to pay you why would you refuse us yeah i think what really i I think one really interesting thing about this movie is that they both viewed each other the same way the poor family and the rich family viewed each other as like commodities kind of and then got mad when the other family saw them that way yeah exactly like they didn't care that they didn't see them as people it was they were upset that the others didn't see them as people so that's a good point yeah they definitely yeah you're you're right but they definitely i think commodified each other in different ways Mm -hmm. you know which is I don't know. There's a lot of layers to this movie. I, I oh yeah. There's a lot of symbolism I still don't quite get because I know the water and the light represent something or like they symbolize something, but I just I don't know exactly what. Well, like the water where and the light where. Yeah, I was well, gonna ask the same thing. Well, obviously, there's something with the lights when the the husband in the basement, um, the family, the rich family assumes that the lights they have are controlled by like a sensor, but it turns out it's just the husband in the basement who's like turning on the lights as they approach and lighting their way for them and stuff and then where it really stuck out to me was when the um the semi-basement the poor family was in when it was flooding they were in there trying to grab all their stuff mm-hmm. and the, um the son is standing there like up to his waist in water and he's holding this rock that his friend gave him that mm-hmm. most big material wealth he's standing there holding this rock and the lights are flashing on and off just on him like his father's on the other side of the room the lights are always on him but on the sun the lights are flashing on and off and then like obviously I think the water like the rain like the whole flood and everything and then there were a couple shots that like were framed to like center water like the mom was like filling up a pot while they were trying to drag the housekeeper down to the basement it was framed with like the water in the center of the shot so I don't know that might just be my mind but I never no I think you have a point (laughs) and I think that's something that I uh, at least on my part would require another watch I think probably my initial um, just kind of BSing some symbolism guesses would be, um, you know, we kind of talked about, like you were talking about the lights or, you know, they thought they were controlled by a sensor, but it's really controlled by this man in the basement. You know, I think, oh, it should just fell off my wall. Um, I think that might just kind of go to show we were talking about like this man, he has so much respect for them and, you know, he's literally controlling the light in their house even though they don't even know he exists it's like there's some things that we become so accustomed to that we don't even realize that there's you know someone on the other side of this luxury or this you know facet of our daily life working to put it in place we just kind of take it as a fact of our existence And then as far as the water, um, as far as the scene where their house is flooded, what was interesting to me was what, how each family member responded, because I think their mother used to be some sort of like Olympic athlete or something like that. She had some kind of award and like medal up on the wall. 
And that was what the father went to grab. And that was something he always pointed to as like a symbol of like, oh, see, we used to have status. So again, he's going back to grab their symbols of status. The girl just kind of gives up and she's in the bathroom, which is like spewing all this gross stuff. It's flooded and she just starts smoking a cigarette, kind of like, yep, guess this is where the world has put me. And this is where I'll stay if it's so determined to keep me here. And then the sun, like you said, Claire, was focusing on that rock that was supposed to bring them wealth and prosperity. And since he's so focused on kind of easy pleasure, I think he was, you know, that that rock was what was important to him because as long as he's in position of that, you know, the the pleasure and the life he deserves will, will come to find him. The universe will just give it to him. Mm-hmm. And so that's what was really interesting to me about that scene. But I... I didn't even notice the shot with the water when they were dragging the housekeeper down to the the basement. Like Erica said, I think I'd probably have to watch it another. Yeah, I mean, I I noticed it, but I didn't really think anything of it as much as just like a creative framing or like Like an indication of them trying to clean while also trying to cover up this whole other two people. Yeah, it may may have just been that. I might just be overthinking. No, no, I think you have a point there. I really think you do. And like, I'm- intentional in this movie. Yeah, which I, I love. That's like my jam. The um, I don't know about the water. That would definitely take me a second watch. But um, kind of piggybacking and maybe even maybe kind of taking a different approach to the light. One thing that I definitely noticed was that there's only one person who kind of notices and realizes the light and even decodes it. Um, mm-hmm while everybody else either doesn't know about it or doesn't know until they're directly told or shown. And it's the little boy. Mm-hmm. And I found that kind of interesting. And I took it more as, um, as we grow old, we definitely have more of a focus on, on things like wealth and status and money and things like that. And even as you said, kind of not even thinking anything of like the privileges we have or the things that we have that allow us to be comfortable and can, mm-hmm. you know, for things to be convenient. But that little boy who I would probably say is maybe like the purest eyes that we get through the whole movie is not only noticing this, but figuring it out. Cause he's like, he's knowing it says something and it's kind of part of his belief that there's this ghost in the house because he's, he's noticing all these little things. He knows somebody else is there just doesn't quite understand it. No, he, he yeah. saw him at some point. He, uh-huh. And the family just kind of dismisses it like he thinks the house is haunted and he's damaged or yeah. something. And the little boy's like, no, something's happening. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to me the difference with the way they treat the, the two rich kids because like they definitely like really baby the son and like it's kind of hard to tell if that's just like because he's their youngest because that's just kind of how it goes with youngest kids um or like they keep on saying like he's special he's artsy he's got a, a he's an eccentric genius is what his mom keeps saying but then the daughter um she tells the her tutor at one point the the poor son she's like he's faking it you know he's faking it right none of that's real and it comes kind of obvious later on in the film that they're kind of ignoring her like she gets really mad at her mom at one point this is just kind of like a fight going on in the background but she gets really mad at her mom because the housekeeper made some dinner the mom offered it to the son and then the husband either of them wanted it so she just ate it herself and the little girl's really upset because she never ho- offered it to her mm-hmm. and I mean, understandably so I'd be mad <laughs> yeah I mean I, I would too <laughs> so like that kind of makes sense because 
at first I was a little like, why are you so like this guy's like seven years older than you? Why are you kissing him? And I realized she was probably just excited that somebody was paying attention to her. Mm-hmm. And even then, I think that it kind of makes the kids not only the most sympathetic characters, the two rich kids in the film, but it also kind of makes them the morally best because the little boy notices all these things but at the same time he doesn't really care like he knows something is up and at some point I think he even starts to put together that the family is not even really who they say they are in some capacity but he's like whatever none of my business I don't care (laughs) doesn't none of my business doesn't concern me and then even like there is absolute chaos at this party um, her brother has just passed out. Her parents are like, he's going to die in five minutes. And the yeah. daughter has actually gone back into the house to find the poor son and is carrying him on her back away from the house and all the chaos. And he's like bleeding. So he mm-hmm. essentially saves his life. Wasn't he also like bludgeoned with the wealth rock? I was going to say that too. Yes, he is bludgeoned with the wealth rock. <laughs> he took it down to the lower basement to kill them the husband attacked him and bludgeoned him twice did she carry him away i don't remember yeah, that she did. it's on her back because i remember saying that and going not only do i stand but like you yeah. know like she really does care <laughs> yeah no she genuinely did care about him yeah no the the two rich kids were definitely the the purest souls and the- they were they were just kids they were just caught up in the crossfire of all this they didn't yeah going on there <laughs> It's true it's true but anyways definitely a lot of layers to this movie so now you know comes the the question <laughs> um how many let me see what Wealth would be rocks. A Wealth rocks. Wealth rocks out of 10 would you rate parasite um i would give it nine wealth rocks out of 10 it definitely deserves like a few watches before you really start to understand stuff like the only reason I noticed like the light and water symbolism was because I watched it once before but it was but it was really good nine out of ten loved it Erica I always get caught hung up on these arbitrary rating systems even though they're pretty (laughs) arbitrary um I I want to say I'm either going to give it a 9.5 Wealth Rocks or a 10 out of 10 Wealth Rocks, just because for me, this movie kind of scratched all those itches. It was kind of scary, but in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. I love things that are intentional and symbolic throughout the movie when all the decisions are supposed to like add to the story and the dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that I definitely want to watch again something that I definitely recommend to people. And it's definitely something that says something about maybe, you know, it makes us think, it makes us think about the world around us, ourselves. So I I, I don't know if there's anything I really disliked about this movie <laughs> to really jock points of, at least not right now, so. That's right. <laughs> I kind of want to call you out a little bit. Oh no, why, what did I do? You like fell asleep in the middle of the I rewatched it. All right. I well, not all of it, but I caught back up. I yeah, we rewound it like ten minutes. And the girl be sleepy. It'd be like 
Because see, I I only say that because I'm going to give it nine wealth rocks out of ten because I'm very picky about giving full points to anything. Because although it was an excellent movie, very well done, definitely deserves a couple of rewatches. Everything was very well crafted, intentional, artistic, aesthetic. It had all that good stuff. It was a little bit slow paced in the middle for me. Mm. That is the only thing. I believe that was where you fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I, don't know. I didn't think I fell asleep because it was so much boring as much as I needed a power nap. <laughs> That's fair. We were tired. I, was that the night we stayed up to like 4 a.m. the day before? I think we did. And we had watched like a lot of... <laughs> we had even watched a movie before that one. Oh, so. That's right. All right. And I, I ate comfort oh, yeah. food. You ate what? comfort food which at this point I think is whatever you cook so <laughs> oh I'm the true parasite is I think the moral of this story as in I go to your house no and eat your that food and my little grandma ego I'm like she feels comforted by my cooking oh absolutely I that veggie pie in the mugs or whatever you have one. Uh-huh. You like making me food. You like tuck me into bed with your cat and go, good night. <laughs> and then you go, and I'm like, ooh. Oh, grandma, I just love taking care of my friends. <laughs> I love it. This, that, that's great because that means I can come up whenever. <laughs> Erica walked into my apartment a couple weeks ago, Claire, and she went, it smells like home in here and I've been thinking about it. Yes, my sign is cancer. My house smells like home and my mom's house smells like home and your apartment smells like home. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> your apartment smells like a cat and those like cologne scented candles you have everywhere and nice food. And I, I like the way my dorm smells but it just kind of smells like Chlorine. It smells like a pool in here. I don't know why, but well, you are going to school for marine biology. <laughs> it is overwhelming, overwhelmingly cool smell. <laughs> like a hotel, like when you walk into a hotel. Kind of, but like fresher almost. It's like I don't smell it after the first couple of weeks of being here. But even if, when I come back from like my break and like nobody's been in here cleaning, it just smells like not even chlorine, just pool. It just smells like pool. <laughs> Erica used to like to come visit my freshman dorm because we had a really big laundry room. Laundry room. <laughs> dryer sheets. All right. It's actually like really nasty. People just leave shit in there for like weeks on end. Yeah. <laughs> we had all the football boys. Of laundry. There's something about just the smell of laundry. It doesn't matter what product it is. It just has some smell not- deep down and like I can tell when I walk past like the vents to the dorm laundry rooms on campus because I'm a commuter so I don't really live anywhere on campus like I take naps in my car but I, I walk by and I'll like stop luckily it's not outside any windows but I will stop and just breathe in the smell of laundry I well, love after, the smell of laundry after I get my laundry out of the dryer I will just put it on my bed and just like bury my face in it before I actually start folding it just absorb the smell and then oh, yeah. try to kick my cat out of it because I'm like this is my clothes <laughs> I can't wait till I have a cat soon. soon you will have someone like Ferguson to walk all over your keyboards and meow in the middle of you recording a podcast or yell at you for additional snack and put his claws on your butt cheeks because that's um. what my cat does 
I want, I want three cats. Like, they're going to claw your butt. And I'm like, no, they won't. Yes, they did. Almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> if no one else thinks I have an ass, at least your cats do. Who do you need approval from besides cats? <laughs> no one, really. I <laughs> the approval of felines. That's oh, it. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for joining us this week. Thank you, Claire, for talking about Parasite with us. We've loved having you on. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for watching. Claire again at some point, I am sure. Oh, yeah. Erica and I don't know what we're going to be discussing next week. We haven't decided yet. No, we have not. We have a lot of options. (laughs) We just got to pick. I know. I was gonna say after my friends and I uh, see antlers, can I tell you how it is? And if you guys want to watch it, maybe I can come back for that. For oh, sure. absolutely! You are yeah. always welcome. I I've been enjoying having guests on the podcast. What about you, Erica? Oh, I love it! I've been having a great time. I think it's definitely yeah. fun. Have Josh back at some point. We'll have you and Josh. It'll be a <laughs> plus. It's definitely like because I didn't even think too deeply about the water and the lights and I wouldn't have probably said anything about it if you hadn't brought it up so absolutely Thank you. <laughs> no Claire you're very insightful oh yeah and very like for some context I'm actually in a film class right now uh, it's not my major but they said I could take some more classes for credits for whatever and I was like oh I'm gonna take something fun so I'm in a sci-fi film analysis class and you definitely have the film analysis eye and language that I, I feel like I'm trying to like get myself to have thank you just some of your assignments I, I love <laughs> I love like film analysis and stuff but I never have anybody to actually talk about it with yeah so. and that's kind of what Josh said too and that's why we we had them on the podcast like yeah you and Josh both Erica well it's mostly me I apologize I kind of go off on tangents and then Josh would be like so going back to (laughs) (laughs) but yes having guests is great we've loved having you Claire and uh stay tuned I will be posting on Twitter what our next episode will be about once Erica and I throw a dart at our board of movies that we mm-hmm. have to watch not to mention um i don't know if anybody cares but i care deeply uh we are going to watch that new nicholas cage movie with the animatronics i'm not quite sure walk all five nights at freddy's you're going to watch it if there's no. one thing that i'm passionate about <laughs> if there's one aspect of cringe culture that i will accept wholeheartedly it's fnaf lore they're coming out with an actual FNAF movie they just didn't do it fast enough to stop Nicolas Cage and I'll watch that one too I don't describe you cannot stop him and I love him for that I love watching shitty Nicolas Cage movies I said there was one uh there's a girl I follow on Instagram and she was watching it uh there were no spoilers but it was just on her story and she's like zooming into the screen and she's like daddy cage no I was cracking up. Oh my lord! Well, we love to see it. Discussing Daddy Cage, you'll have to join us to find (laughs) out. (laughs) Everyone, thanks for joining us. Stay out of basements and stay spooky. Stay spooky. Hey, it's Erica from Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks. 
and I just want to let you all know that our primary form of social media right now is Twitter. You can find us at Ann Chillers. There you can find updates and also give us your feedback on the podcast. Thank you again for listening and stay spooky.